Julie Horp, what is your favorite game? My favorite game is The Binding of Isaac. I started playing games uh, when I was around six, I think, when my dad bought a computer and my dad wasn't into games at all. I don't even know why he got a computer, but he got it and somehow he installed Wolfenstein 3D, which is an amazing game, still is today. So I played that a lot. And um, then my mom kind of understood that I was into games. So she bought a computer for herself. My, my parents were divorced. Um, and she had a friend who, who got all these shareware games. And I, he was very um, high tech at that point. <laughs> like growing up with people who don't know anything about computers and then this guy comes in and he knows everything about computers and everything about games and the internet and that was like magical for a girl who's eight and just wants to play games so he got me uh, games like Doom Mm. which like it's one of the best games ever and I'm not like I'm I'm not the kind of person who plays a lot of the shooters, but that game is pretty great. And I just think since that I've just played pretty much everything I could get my hands on. Like what other games we playing at that time? It's 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 clear you you were a pretty hardcore PC gamer now, coming in from you know playing games like Wolfenstein and Doom. Yeah, yeah, I I think when I grew up, the big thing was uh, Game Boy and Mario and Nintendo. Um, I never had anything like that. I had, uh, well, I had a Game Boy, but I had games like Popeye and um, Kirby, and they were good. I mean, no offense to Nintendo, they weren't as great as Doom. (laughs) Um, But my dad got me a Sega Game Gear, which was a mess, but it had Sonic, and I thought Sonic was (laughs) good at that point. That's when Sonic was good. Oh, well, um, of course. And one of those, like, in Asia you could get these um, game discs with, like, 20 games on. Mm. I think it was some kind of a illegal thing. I don't know. <laughs> but it had a lot of games on. And, I honestly, I can't remember any of the games besides Sonic. I, w- I think I played a game with, like, a ninja, like a side-scroller. Shinobi? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Because maybe it is. Maybe I've played Shinobi and didn't realize it until now. Like, <laughs> oh god, that's embarrassing. <laughs> so, but <clears throat> I never played anything but PC games like that much. But then I saved up a lot of money. It was a lot of money when I was a kid. And bought a PlayStation 1. And since then, I've just played PlayStation, PlayStation, PlayStation. Crash Bandicoot, the first game, mm. that w- that's pretty good. Pretty and good co- is an understatement. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Cool Borders, the snowboard game. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I love that game. 
Um, and well, obviously GTA. Of course. <laughs> yeah, that I've, I remember sitting in my room in front of this like 14-inch TV, playing it. And when my mom came in, what are you playing? Um, nothing, just Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because she wasn't too fond of the violence and stuff. But since then, I think I've, I've just played like I've. I didn't really play any of the PlayStation classics like Resident Evil and whatever franchises still exist that were on the PS1 too. But um, what Need for Speed, I like car games a lot, or racing games. Um, and then I just got back to PC gaming. Red Alert, Pizza Tycoon. Have you ever played Pizza Tycoon? No, I've not played that at all. <laughs> it's a good game, and I I don't know if people are listening to it when it gets online. If they haven't played Pizza Tycoon, it's pretty good. It's like just a tycoon game with where you run restaurants with pizza, and it's pretty basic, but it still holds up today. So I'm going to check that out after we're done here. Perhaps. Yeah, it's it's free, so because it's basically. 20 years old or something like that, but it's pretty good. Oh, it should run in my little old rust bucket then. <laughs> the rust bucket being three years old and can't run Skyrim anymore. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that that's just the computer just being shit. Um, so yeah, um, further down the line then, so, like you said, obviously PlayStation, 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 and then going back on the PC, but... Yeah. What what other games were you playing down the line later? Like talking about, let's say, PS2, maybe early stages of PS3, or mm, honestly, honestly, I can't remember what I played on the PS2. Uh, I think that was around the time I got back to PC gaming. I've never been the kind of person who plays the console exclusive games and the big franchises, which is weird since I basically live of writing about games um, but oh god oh Tekken Tekken of course ah yes um, what the and GTA again you know what I have all of my games on a shelf and I'm just gonna go <laughs> take a look because this is really awkward <laughs> uh, okay so I've got Second five gun. Oh, gun was a great game. Oh, that's the western, right? From Neversoft. Yeah, yeah. It. I spent a lot of time on that. I really <laughs> want an HD remake or just a sequel or whatever. Instead of, well, Red Dead Redemption is good, but yeah. Um. So, also got two Need for Speed games, <laughs> and Hitman. Well, I'm Danish show. Obviously, I played that. Scarface. I think Scarface was actually pretty good. I know people hated it at the time, but and it's not like GTA or something. But Yeah, well, movie licenses at that time were pretty known to be very shit, with the rare odd yeah, exception yeah. of the Blue Moon. But I think it's alright. Did they make a game based on Godfather? Didn't they do that? They did. They yeah. did on... Oh. When was this? It was around two thousand six, seven, around the start of the last generation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
Yeah. Came out of EA Redwood Shores, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, I completely forgot about that. I shouldn't have. Oh, well, I should, probably should have. It, it wasn't any good. <laughs> but that's pretty much the games I've still got for the PS2. Because I've traded in all of my games, which I suppose says a lot about how much I played on the PS2. But I got back into console gaming when the PS3 came out, because that was around the time that I actually started writing about games too, like, professionally. So, I think I played... Can you remind me of the launch games for the PS3? Resistance, Fall of Man, Motorstone, oh, yeah, that. Yeah, <sighs> Resistance. Never understood why people liked it so much. I, I mean, like, I thought Resistance 1 was fun, it was okay, but Resistance 2 was pretty darn good. And I say that as someone who's perhaps one of the very few who probably liked Resistance 2. Everyone shit on it. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever played that. I think I played the first one, and I played the one on uh, Vita. Resistance Retribution, I think yeah. that's... Yeah, which had some weird controls because uh, the, the touch thing and oh god, that was a mess. But um, oh, Mo- Motorstorm, that the, was pretty good. I love Motorstorm One. That's that's genuinely yeah. great. Yeah. Um, what else and um, Killzone. Killzone Two, or was this the original? No, the original Killzone was PS Two, so this would have been Killzone Two, right? Could be. I can't remember. It must have been on PS3. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't play it on PS2, which was a shame because I kind of liked the whole setting. It was very dark and, like, I kind of liked it. Mm, But mm. then I played it with the PlayStation Move, which was... My cat is a bit annoying. I'm sorry if you can hear (laughs) it. (laughs) But I played it uh, with move where you have to like aim mm. and stuff which was a mess I'm not very good at stuff like that so mm. and but then I'm, I can't remember there was another launch game launch game for the PS3 and I I think it was like kind of fantasy RPG something with, no something with Blade in the title I can't remember uh, I think I know which one you're on about, but I, ah, damn it! I, it got pretty bad reviews. I think. Oh, Gandhi, Gandhi, yeah. yes, yeah, 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 something like that, or something like that. Giant enemy crabs. Yeah, but um, honestly, it's really sucks how few games I can remember from the PS3. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so awkward, but I think that. Every time I get a new console is the time I get back into PC gaming, which I suppose says a lot, actually. Mm. But, so... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you touched upon it there. Um, You got it right in around the time of the PS3 era. Um, How did did that exactly happen? Honestly, I have no idea. (laughs) I... I liked gaming and I liked writing. And I was like, maybe I could combine combine these things. And so I sent off a, a review of Need for Speed Carbon. Was, I think it was called that, 
where you go through the mountains or something. <laughs> I honestly can't remember. Um, and the editor of uh, the site I sent it to was like, this is good. We can use this. You want to review games for us? And I was like, yeah. And I just wrote about every single game I could get my hands on. And at this time, like, in in Denmark, there's not a... There aren't any... Um, there's Game Reactor, and we had a print magazine called Gameplay, but games journalism isn't really a thing here, so obviously this was unpaid. But then it kind of got bigger, the site I wrote for got, I suppose, more and more people visited our site, but then I got the, a part-time writing job writing news and reviews and well articles while I was studying and just kept going and I think a few years later I started writing for some papers newspapers and stuff and which pays much much better in Denmark and since then I've just yeah been writing for everyone who wants something about games which isn't very uh, very many actually so and yeah mm. that's pretty much it I think it, Denmark is re- a really 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 shitty country to write about games in because there's a few websites that can actually get enough readers to make money off it then there's a few newspapers who, who write about games but it's a very small thing for them, so they're not very interested in doing regular reviews or articles. They wanted, when Gamergate exploded last year, everyone came running like, can you do something about this? Can you write an opinion piece about this or whatever? But it has to be something massive like that before people want something. Otherwise, you can't make any money of it. Then everyone's just like, well, you can write for us, but the only thing you'll get is a copy of the game. Mm, it's, it's, it's just basically sounds like enthusiast writing, basically, if you're looking at it from the perspective of en- enthusiast writers, basically, anywhere in the world, when you put it yeah. like that. Yeah, it, it, it's ba- it basically is. I mean, the writing about games in Denmark isn't very good, and that's because people don't pay any money for it. And when they do pay money, often newspapers choose some of their own journalists who who don't play any games, so they don't know what they're writing about, which is just stupid. Um, and the sites like Game Reactor, which is huge in Denmark, um, they know how to write about games. Of course they do. But still, they don't pay their writers, and you can see it in the quality of writing, which is a shame. Because it's a huge thing, and I think people are starting to see that video games are kind of a big deal to a lot of people. That's going to do it then. 
your favorite game, The Binding of Isaac. Yeah. Um, so, let's start off the obvious caveat. Did you play Super Meat Boy before Isaac? Obviously, Ed McMillan is one half of Team Meat, so we have to bring up Super Meat Boy. Yes. Of course we have to bring up Super Meat Boy. Um, I didn't. Not ah. at all. I played it like 10 minutes last year, actually. And because I thought, well, m- maybe I could get as interested in it as uh, Binding of Isaac, but no. It's a good game, but but yeah, I I just uh, don't play it yet. That's the thing. Maybe someday. I don't know. It <laughs> took me like, it with the Binding of Isaac, when it came out, I didn't even notice it. I think I bought it a year after release because it was like a bug on Steam, um, and everyone was like, "This is this is great, and you have to buy it when it's so cheap." And I bought it, and I think it took me maybe another year, maybe half six months before I actually started playing it. Huh. And and when I did, I still didn't get it. Ah. Like, I've never been fond of roguelikes. I never understood why people spend so much time on rogue roguelikes. I was like, dude, you get these amazing games and you want to spend <laughs> spend your time on a little ridiculous game and just play the same thing over and over and over again. And yeah, I didn't get it. And then suddenly something clicked and sin- I haven't looked back since, uh, since then. Like, how, how long do you think, like, it- Turkey, they finish. Oh God, I think uh, um, 150, 60 hours maybe. I'm sorry, did you just say 50, 60 or 150 to 60 hours? 150. Oh sweet Jesus! For yeah, and, <laughs> and I mean, this would be like if this was an RPG or something like uh, Skyrim or whatever. That would make sense, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. But with the Binding of Isaac, because. It's the same thing. You just walk from room to room, and then you repeat when you die. And I don't know how it happened, but I think that's the magic of the Binding of Isaac, that it really gets its claws into you, and, and you just want just one more level. And you just have to get it right. And also the, um, the achievements in the game, because that that was why I played it so much. There's... And I've never been one to hunt for achievements in games, but I had to get Platinum God in The Binding of Isaac. It was like a thing on my bucket list. My bucket list for my entire life had get Platinum God in The Binding of Isaac. (laughs) (laughs) I was like a manic. And I think my partner had like serious thoughts about, "Is is this a problem? Is this something we have to talk about? Because I'd get home from work and I'd sit in front of the computer for a couple of hours each night just to get every single achievement. And when I did, it was like this sense of accomplishment. Like, I did something with my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, imagine explaining that to people who don't play games. That's just (laughs) the look of you like yours. You need help. Fair enough. Uh, it's going back to that kind of one more girlfriend you, you were mentioning. It's it's that kind of Stockholm syndrome of a game. It, it it more or less is that exactly it. It's just right. 
I have to go to bed or I yeah. I have this thing to do, right? I have to, I have to stop now, I have to stop now, right? I'm putting it down. <laughs> exactly. And it's 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 amazing that a game can do that to you, I think. Because especially with a game like The Binding of Isaac, I think when you look at it, it's just you go through these rooms and, well, you can unlock different characters and there's items to pick up and unlock items, but at a certain point you've unlocked every character and you've unlocked every item and you're still just playing it and if the achievements weren't in the game I think I, I would have stopped when I've unlocked everything obviously because that's that would be kind of like the end of the game like it's well it's entertaining to play but if I don't have anything to achieve in the game and I've unlocked everything then that's just it, but then the damn achievements uh, and I don't. Uh, how much have you played, Isaac? I've perhaps only played about half an hour, maybe forty-five minutes tops. Okay, well, the, there's a lot of achievements, easy achievements, like in every other game. Like if you unlock an, a character, or if you get to a certain level, you'll get an achievement for that. But in Isaac, there's there's a bunch of evil achievements. Like, you have to go through the entire game without taking any damage. And in the beginning, it's like, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to manage to go through the entire game and not take any damage. And then suddenly, you go through the first two levels and you haven't taken any damage. And you're like, maybe this could work. And then... Uh, it happens again, and you're like, oh shit, it's the final level, and I'm, I haven't taken any damage, and there's, a, there's this achievement I have to get, and not a lot of people have managed to get that achievement, and then you just keep going. And it's also the thing about getting better, and you don't realize you get better until you actually manage to get like an achievement or get to the end of a level you haven't reached before which is a an amazing feeling feeling because you suddenly realize that Shh, i got the hang of this now and isaac is a very roguelike game um like you mentioned like i i'll i'll, I'll easily admit i i wasn't too fond of roguelike games myself uh, admittedly and then i played a little game called spelunky thank you christian yeah. donlan who you can hear next week as this episode goes out but um like, have you played any other roguelike games besides Isaac? I played Spelunky a lot, actually. Ah. Yeah, I, and it's a very good game. I mean, it's not Isaac, but it's a very good game. And it also has the the thing where you just keep going because just maybe I can get a bit longer next time. So just one more, just one more. But um, have I played any? I probably played. A few without even realizing. I have a friend who is very fond of roguelikes. And he's always telling me to try them out. And I never get it done. But I think it's because I still have this this um, this feeling of not understanding why roguelikes are, so, are great. I think you have to really love the, the whole dying and not being able to save your game. And just keep doing the same thing, and I'm. Um, this this is really weird because I've played Isaac so much and Rebirth so much, but I 
I don't think I still understand the great thing about roguelikes. Ah, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. no, sorry, go on. Uh, I just remembered um, Rogue Legacy, which I think you could... That's also a bit roguelike. I uh, think that's actually pretty good. And I played it on PC and I hated it because if you play it with a keyboard, it's uh, it's horrible. But then I got a controller and then it clicked just like Isaac and then it came out on the PS Vita, which is uh, it's probably the best version of the game and it's pretty good too. But that's it for roguelikes. So... <laughs> I've 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 admittedly yet to play Rogue Legacy. Um, I should probably give that a go because I have it on. I should I have it on my PS4 download just for, mm. because it was on PS Plus still a month. So. Yeah, it was free earlier this year, I think. Yeah, I think I should definitely give that a go. Then, um, we we mentioned the the, the kind of sheer difficult the the difficult uh, aspects of ro- of roguelike games, and that's and that's perhaps no different with um, the Binding of Isaac. Um, but, and it's it's three games that like Isaac that are kind of garnering a reputation as of late for being so hard. Like like Isaac. Like are you Bone. going to mention Dark Souls or Bloodborne now? I am actually. <laughs> they, yeah. they are on my list. Like, like Meat Boy, like Isaac, like Dark and Demon Souls and Titan Souls for that no matter and Bloodborne. Yeah, I f- I think it's like a it's a new thing in gaming that people really people like. These games because they don't just let you finish and get it over with. You have to work for it. You have to put an extra amount of effort into it. But you also, if you if you kill like a boss, you spent several hours on getting to know its te- the technique and how to get it done. Then it's that kind of um, sense of accomplishment, as I mentioned before, that you feel like you actually worked for it and you feel relieved and satisfied and it's not just well that's another boss killed and let's get moving and just finish the game alright. I don't know if that's just how I feel like I get more out of these games than I get out of playing um, your average shooter. There's another aspect of it that kind of springs to mind for me and that I saw no, I've saw kind of mentioned one or two times in that it kind of harks back to an era of games like late eighties or yeah late eighties early nineties and where games ha- were a challenge to f- complete. It's funny to see how that kind of thing suddenly reemerges twenty twenty five years later. Mm, absolutely. When, is it twenty? Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 That's yes. <laughs> that's that's just cool with that. <laughs> But it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting thing because it's it's um, like this kind of reaction to games just being too easy, even though they have like easy, medium, hard. They could never be too hard. Like everyone could finish it, and that's not the case with Dark Souls and Bloodborne and games like that. That people really have to and. People get annoyed and people get angry, but the people who react like that are usually the people who love the games the most because it really is a challenge, but it's a good challenge. So, the the themes of the game, um, they're 
obviously the first big theme that jumps out is religion. Yeah. Um, like Isaac's mother forcing, kind of looking to sacrifice her son. Um, you know, um, like yeah, like talk about that. How, how did you find that? I think it was actually one of the things I found most interesting about it because I had a rather religious upbringing myself with my mother being the strict Christian woman. Um, I didn't get locked in the basement, but uh, or sacrificed. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, it's it's an interesting aspect of the game, is especially if you can relate to it because it's like you can kind of revolt against it. You can fight it. At least I I didn't when I was younger. I didn't believe in the whole Christian thing, um, which was kind of di- difficult when you're young teenager and you have to tell your very religious mother that you can't you don't get the whole religion thing um, <clears throat> so that I could kind of relate to that and um, the whole <laughs> Judas and all these religious pen- persons and how the symbolism of it all just got mixed into the game. I think it was kind of interesting. Oh. And and uh, maybe that's because I like it right out without realizing it, but because this re- religious thing and, and the religious theme, I can relate so much to it, is just um, just kind of makes the game better. I don't know if that sounds weird, but but you, when you have something so close to you and growing up with it and choosing to just reject it like I know Edmund McMillan he talked a lot about it he, when he's talked about uh, Isaac he's talked a lot about his uh, upbringing too hmm. and just it just kind of makes the game more interesting I think and also nice to see that a, a rope like can be kind of deep uh, filled with emotions like that. It's not it's not just walking through a dungeon just to walk through a dungeon and kill monsters. It's there's a there's a well it has a purpose. Oh. Like in the that most people can relate to because it's not just a Fictive. It's not just fiction. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this question, but like, like you say yourself, like the fact that ro- that a, a roguelike game such as Isaac can handle such a mature matter like like religion. Um, like it makes you think that it doesn't matter where you go in ter- or what game you play. Like, if it if it can tell a subject matter like um, religion, sex, whatever, then. If it can tell, right, then that's surely a good game in its own right. Yeah, I've, well... Well, well gameplay's a big part of it, of course, as well. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, obviously, but I think it depends. First thing is, is can the player relate to it? Because if, like, if a person who can't relate to anything about religion plays Isaac, then maybe they wouldn't care about how it's 
it's it's says how it says a lot about religion. Um, but it's still a good game to other people. Mm. And I think I think it's whenever a game chooses to handle things like religion or sex, as you mentioned, or homosexuality or whatever, I think you have to approve of that and respect it, at least, uh, that they try to tell a story and try to make it relevant to the world we live in and not, and not just keep it as a simple game just for entertainment. Mm. If you if <laughs> if you can follow that train of thought, but I and I'm not saying that games that are just purely entertainment and at, when they don't handle anything mature is a bad thing. It's definitely we need games that are just games for the sake of being a game, but you have well, yeah, you have to respect when a game try to. Do a l- more than just being fun. What what examples of games do you think have done mature topics like right for you? I mean, like obviously Isaac is one, but like what would you say or others that would rank up for you in terms of how they told mature stories or mature matters even? Well, the obvious game I would uh, choose is Papu Iyo, which we also talked a bit about before starting this podcast. Um, but I think it, and this was a game that, like, the gameplay in it was horrible. It it was a mess. Um, but it handled alcoholism and substance abuse, and that was something that I had a really big problem with. Uh, not well, not substance abuse. Um, but I grew up with uh, a parent who had a who drank a lot and had a well just completely destroyed her life and it just hit so close to home because the story was well I don't know if you couldn't relate to it then you probably wouldn't think it's a good story or at least the story wasn't told very great but I had to stop the game like several times and just sit and cry because it just it handled it so well at least that's what I thought Mm. And very, I, I think I, very few games have done that for me. But mm. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's those types of games are definitely something worth you know and definitely respect. Um, I think I think another game that kind of springs to mind certainly is um, Gone Home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a great game too, and. It got a lot of praise, and I can completely understand that because it. Well, some people would say it isn't a game. Uh, those people are wrong, but because it had so much focus on telling a story, and it did it really well. But it it was like this interactive story. You just had to walk around, look at things, read a lot of things. Uh, basically. Basically, you could do that with a book and just read that story, but it was really, really well done. And I think the great thing about games like that, um, with Gun Home and Papu Yo uh, and Isaac, is that maybe they can tell a story or tell something about our society to players who wouldn't uh, give it a uh, give it a thought if they didn't play games. 
like this is kind of a medium that allows some people to experience things and think about things that they wouldn't normally do because they play a lot of games. Not because they play a lot of games, but it's just the way to get them are easier with games, if you know what I mean. Mm. To get to get their attention and get them to it's just the easy way in to their mind somehow. And and that's the great thing about games I think. Like some people have it with movies, they watch movies and they think about their life and because they love movies. And some people do it with books, uh, and music and some people do it with video games. And I think it's great that developers are starting to starting to be brave enough to do this with games and not think about money and review scores and metacritic and stuff like that but they just make the game they want to play and develop and then they realize that well people like to play that game or those kind of games uh just to go back to the binding of isaac then um you mentioned how ed mcmillan and his his kind of upbringing um and the kind of how he was brought up uh, in a religious family, um, like the Binding of Isaac. I've I've seen it mentioned that like this, the Binding of Isaac is kind of autobiog autobiographical uh, kind of autobiography for um, Ed McMillan. Yeah. Um, like talk talk about about that and like how you saw that and through your eyes in terms of what McMillan's vision was for the game. Well, honestly, I didn't think much about it in the beginning because. I didn't know about it, but then I started reading interviews with him, and I can't remember if it's in indie. No, it's not in indie game. The movie, some kind of video I watched where he talked a lot about it, and it just made sense. And it's it's a great thing to you know like tell your life through a video game, and it's also a sure way to get some honest feelings into the game and it's 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 also weird because Isaac is a weird game I mean with the monsters and the characters but when you suddenly realize well you're playing a game a man has developed um, based on his life you're playing a guy's life and it's all kinds of fucked up shit with the how he t- chooses to tell the, his story it's mm. very bizarre and but it's also kind of like cool to realize that someone based everything on their life and managed to make it so weird and hopefully feel good about it i i could imagine that macmillan used it as some kind of outlet you know i think all people have this uh, need to get stuff off their chest. And I think most people, like, people like us who write about games, we often use our real-life problems, stuff, whatever, uh, and when we write about games, like, what, what can we relate to? And I know when your mother died and you wrote that art- article about how it, it affected you and with games, and I think it, we use it as an outlet, and, and I think developers use their games as an outlet to m- maybe make life easier for themselves or at least just uh, 
get it out there and get it off their chest. Mm. And maybe help other people. I know when I played the Pabuyo, I I suddenly realized that all of this I've been when I grew up with all of this stuff in my life I've never handled it properly. And when I played it, it uh, something just made sense, and I was just like, okay, well, I I'm okay now. It it taught me how to let go, which is such a big big thing and I think everyone can relate to that if they have something going on in their life something troubling yeah uh, um, absolutely um, well yeah I, like you say I can absolutely attest to that um, when my mum died um, uh, I was playing a lot of Metal Gear Solid 3 just actually just before she died in fact um, just seeing her in the hospital like kind of sitting up alongside her just playing that game and 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 I've said this before this season about one character in particular in that game the boss and she's a very very, very strong willed character the boss and just she's a kind of motherly character as well Hideo Kojima said that as such um previously and mm-hmm. and the, and there were certain bits of the boss that I could certainly see in my mom and that she was a very strong willed character up until the end so it's 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 that magic like it can be let's be honest it can be for any game like can I be honest here like for mm. we the day before or even like a couple of hours before we were told to come up to the hospital because like we had my brother calling and say it's time for you to come up. We think this might be it. A couple of hours um, before we were told to come up, I had just literally finished Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. And this is going to sound like the most stupidest thing ever. But I genuinely think that if you invest yourself into the world, of any world, of any game, if you invest yourself into any game, be it very stupid, very mature, very serious, very fun, very silly. It's it's the escapism that it gives. It it's a godsend and it's a it's it's a god given gift basically. It it really is, and it's amazing how video games let you escape into worlds and just it's not just fun. It some games can make you feel really bad about yourself, um, make you cry or make you shout or make you angry. But that's the thing that, because they make you feel like that, it's, it, well, it's just amazing. Mm. And when you get to feel like that, or when you realize something about yourself because you played games, it's, it kind of bleeds into the real life, uh, real world and your own life, and you can somehow use it, I think, to cope with some stuff and handle things and also games like Mass Effect and other games that handle homosexuality Gone Home uh, I think a lot of young people who maybe struggle with their sexuality I think a game like Gone Home is the best thing to happen for them mm. if, if they like it of oh, yeah. but this seeing that other people know how you feel and uh, understand how you feel and manage uh, can and, and can create a world where you feel safe and home and relaxed it's 
it's just well that's video games and that's why video games are important absolutely um just just to go back um to the the kind of um kind of autobiographical aspect of the game um to the best of my recollection i think isaac is perhaps the only game that's perhaps given that feel of an, an autobiography game so to speak or, or, or am I not thinking of any other games? Hmm, that's a good question. I honestly don't know. Like, I think. Yeah, I was going. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, like, I'd love to see more autobiograph autobiographical games like Isaac, because I think seeing more personal stuff by people. Actually, there is another game that I am uh, that just come to me that. Um, I actually mentioned in part, um, you mentioned my article about uh, how games kind of helped me through. There was another game I wrote in that article that uh, could perhaps land true to that point, and that's um, Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I me- and I wrote in that how, um, br- um, and this may be spoilers for Brothers for those listening, but um, at the end, um, one of the brothers dies, um, and he... And the other, the other brother, and uh, his dad kind of have to bury him, mm. and um, something similar happened with um, Joseph Farris, who had to bury his own brother as well. So, I think definitely I want to see more autobiographical games, like like Brothers, like Isaac. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's it's the whole whole thing about using your own life as a creator, as inspiration for. Your games. I mean, Brothers, Isaac, probably they were all inspired by something that happened to the developers, or at least the people who came up with the idea of the game. Um, and I think when people do that, that's when we get the most interesting games because it's it's human in a way. It's not Call of Duty. It's not the robots and advanced warfare but it's something that we can relate to and we have this we have these natural feelings about stuff like that like losing a brother I mean when I played it I I constant constantly thought of my brothers and losing one of them and how difficult it would be and how you you'd basically lose a part of yourself and it's. Uh, I think it would be great if more people or more developers use something from their own life because we c- it's so relatable. And I think as we see more indie games being released, then it's a natural thing that we get more of these kind of games because there's a market for for them now. Like people want to buy these games; they don't want to. Well, they want AAA games too. That's a given. That's never going to change. But it's easier for people to make a personal game and tell a story that is very personal and still make it profitable and be able to live off of these kind of games. Just to touch back on the kind of religion aspect of it, because there, um, there is another half of it that I've, uh, I'm still curious to ask. Um, like... Is there any other games that have kind of done religion well, or like 
kind of told it at least and try and tried and gone popped for uh, I've tried and gone for it at least um, like El, El Shaddai comes to mind uh, as one example yeah I never played that game I really want to I think it looked pretty cool and interesting there was a I can't remember who but I'm I follow a game, games journalist on Twitter who played a lot of that game and constantly talked about it at some point um, I, I have a feeling like I don't know if we're talking about the exact same person here, but there is one person, I think, who may have talked about quite a fair bit, and I think that is Kaza McDonald. That could be. I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I remember her. She talked a lot about it. Mm. And wrote a bit about it, too, as far as I can remember. Mm. But I've never... Did you play it? I, I've never played it, no. I think I have a copy around here, but I've never yeah. played it. We should probably get on it. Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I, think when when games handle religion, it's often... It's not the kind of religion we know, like Christianity or Islam or whatever. Oh. It's the change it, but so we can still... We can still relate to it, but like I mean, Dragon Age has a fair bit of religion, as far as I can remember, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and well, obviously, people can relate to it because it it's like our world. There's different kinds of religion, and they just do it their own way. But I think games are often very cautious about handling religion because it. It brings about a lot of feelings. Hmm. And yeah. Especially as a, I mean, in Denmark, and I, as I can see on Twitter, there's a fair bit of um, controversy in the UK about people, um, Muslims, and people who don't think Muslims should, well, people who think Muslims should get the hell out of the UK. Thank you, uh, Nigel Farage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the... F- up, it's the same kind of thing in Denmark. And it, it's very... People talk a lot about religion and make it political uh, these days. And I think games have to be very careful about it because they might hurt someone or make someone angry and create, like, this controversy. And it doesn't take much these days to get a lot of bad publicity because w- once someone write about it if it's like Polygon or whatever then a million other websites will write they'll pick up on it and then will write about it and then people will discuss it and go mental in the comments and we all know how that ends so I think devs are very careful about how they handle stuff like religion mm. but I mean indie devs not so much yet. I I imagine because mm. well it's indie games mm. but uh, it would be interesting to see more people handle a, a subject like religion because there's so much stuff to talk about mm. and how it affects people we've, we've touched upon the kind of ro- the rogue aspects of the game mo- more or less and, and the themes of it like religion and all for most of the show but we've not touched upon a great deal too much on other gameplay elements because um, like uh, the Binding of Isaac, it's it's basically a Zelda like, and that it also randomizes dungeons as well. Like, how how did you find that? I think it's 
It's um, it's an I've never played Zelda. Another game I haven't played, but uh, <laughs> I like the the bit about being random because you you can't figure out the game. You know how like uh, the game is the first two levels. Uh, I said in the same kind of rooms. Then the next two levels are set in the same kind of rooms. Like it's it's a theme for two of the levels, and then a switch. But you never know which room you'll end the next. Like you don't know the enemies. You don't know uh, how how many other rooms are linked to it. And that's the kind of thing about Isaac is that you have to learn how to find. There's a bunch of secret rooms. You have to learn how to find it because it's not just about being good at it. It's about being being lucky and it's about getting the right items. And if you know where to find the secret rooms, if you know how to use your bombs correctly, if you know how to use the keys correctly, you, you get keys so you can unlock chests or you can unlock certain rooms like the shop where you can buy stuff. But if you only get one key and you have an item room and you have a shop and you may have two chests all in one level and you have to decide which of the things you want to use your key on it's that's the kind of thing about Isaac that I find the most interesting because you have to depend on a bit of luck but you also have to be good at using the items you get and you also have to be well just a bit reckless and enjoy how random it is the, the other big thing for the game is the art style, and and that's massively improved as well, and the uh, and rebirth as well, um, and that uh, it's 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 how do I put this? It's basically the art style and rebirth kind of really dramatically changes how the game looks. Well, not dramatically changes how it looks, but it's it's different, so to speak. Yeah, I had a huge problem with. That's you can choose to make the changes changes a bit. Uh, less like make it look a bit more like the original Isaac which I used to do in the beginning but I didn't like the way it looked I thought it was horrible when I saw the when he when Macmillan started to show pictures from Rebirth before the launch I was like dude this is not gonna work this is horrible how I you're completely destroying the game I love but now I actually turned off that filler and just played it with the kind of pixelated look or whatever you'd call it and I kind of it's it's a good thing it looks it, it doesn't look good but yeah I, I I came around I like it now but I had a very 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 big problem with it in the beginning Let, let's touch upon Rebirth itself then um, besi- besides how much it went from basically Flash to basically this whole new, um, basically kind of look for it. Um, um, how how much does Rebirth improve over the original game? Mm. <sighs> I wouldn't say it improves the original game. Actually, I I still prefer the original game. Um, maybe because well, obviously it it was the game I played first, and I kind of fell in love with that. And Rebirth is just, like, the same game, but with extra content. For me, at least. I know that's not really the case, but... But I think the thing about Rebirth is all of the extra items. And people who play Isaac a lot 
always appreciate a lot of extra items, new items uh, that you have to learn to use them and how to co- <coughs> sorry how to combine items, which is a big deal in Isaac because you can get a some really cool items that has an amazing synergy, and then you pick up an item because you haven't you don't know what it what it does or you haven't learned how to use it well and completely mess up your run and completely destroy it for yourself and just you'll choose to restart the entire game because you picked up the wrong item. So that's the good thing about Rebirth that it made me feel like I was playing Isaac all over again because I didn't know what the items uh, was supposed to do or what I had to do with them. But now that I've learned how to use them I and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I've played Rebirth a hundred and just a second. I just have to check. Hundred and seventy hours. <clears throat> and um, now that I've learned everything, I I I'm looking forward to. There's a bunch of DLC planned um, for Rebirth and the original game which I'm kind of looking forward to because Rebirth didn't kind of get me... I, I didn't get Rebirth as I, as uh, the case was with the original Isaac. I'm not going for all of the achievements in Rebirth, at least. When you, when you say 170 hours, does that include... Is that part of the 150, 60 hours you no, had the original no, game? No. Oh, so combined, that's like 300-odd hours for both games. So, yeah. oh, okay, I, I just checked the Binding of Isaac. 225 hours. I did not know it was that much. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I've spent almost 400 hours on both of those games. Wow. That's a bit much, maybe. That is a bit much. <laughs> I think I might have a problem. Uh, admitting it is the first step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, l- l- what about the other things in the Binding of Isaac that that you like that we've not touched upon? Mm. What 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 could that be? Oh, I don't. I I think I was thinking about this when I n- knew we were gonna do this, and I had to talk about Isaac, and I was like. What's the one thing we need to talk about? And I think we already talked a bit about it, but that sense of accomplishment when you manage to get an an achievement that you spent maybe 10 hours on. I think the feeling you get when it all clicks and you get the right items and you you just manage to fly by, uh, fly through the levels and it's just going well and you get the achievement. That's probably it's like a high. It's it's crack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it and I maybe it's a bit. We- it sounds a bit weird, but I think. Well, I think people who play these kind of games get it. That when you manage to get something done that you've spent hours on, and you you've been like you've been training for this. I mean. Some of the achievements in, in Isaac and Rebirth also got it, but there's, you you got the the game itself, but there's, there are a few challenges as well where uh, 
maybe you only get the you get you get to start with a certain item and then you there aren't any um, item rooms in the any of the levels and you have to get through without any items it's when you manage to do that that's a great feeling because you know that well you're actually pretty pretty good at this mm. i suppose that it you could relate it to when someone who plays football scores an, an incredible goal. They know they did it because, well, they had a bit of luck and they also had the skill. And that's also a bit weird to <clears throat> compare Isaac and football. But I think it's basically kind of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good analogy, to be fair. But but I think, and I really think that people who play games, compared to people who don't play games, uh, get this, that you work so hard on achieving something in the game, and when you suddenly do, it's, it's just a very, very, very good feeling. Yeah. That, because you put a lot of work into it. What did you not like about The Binding of Isaac? Dying, <laughs> all of the dying. No, so I. The thing, I think it's it's the it's the small things like there's a if there's a bus that you don't like because you hate uh, the tactics tactics you have to use against him or her, um, or when you get a really great run and you are very unlucky and you need one item to get it all done and you get the wrong item and you have to restart when when you're unlucky which is is ironic because you can't do anything about luck mm-hmm. so you just have to depend on well yeah being lucky <laughs> it's that's that kind of skill of luck yeah exactly so normally I kind of ask top three games from a certain studio but of course uh, or in a fr- certain franchise, but this isn't a certain franchise, so we can't exactly ask that. Um, but what I will ask is, it's, it doesn't really have too much of a legacy. It's only been out a couple of years, so I won't ask that, like I typically do like other games, if not the top three question. But I will ask, um, you, you've mentioned at length how, um, how, how like we've, we've talked at length even about how games mean to us, so like I guess the obvious question is how much does The Binding of Isaac mean to you? I think, on a personal level, it doesn't mean that much to me, mm. even though I can relate to it. But as a gamer, I think it means very much because it's my go-to game. It's it's the game, I, I know the game very well, and I I never get bored of it. I, um, I can always play it, and I, also, I always find it interesting, and uh, the thing I, th- that I also always have to work for it to be good in it that I know I, I've got the skills but I still have to put some work into it to get achievements or get through the game I think does that make sense that it it means a lot to me as a gamer but not no 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 it's fine it's yeah. fine yeah it's fine no that's a perfectly reasonable answer yeah because as I was thinking about like if I had to pick 
well, free games that meant a lot to me uh, as a person, then I probably would, well, Isaac would probably be at the bottom of that top free list because, well, it hasn't changed my life like some games have. But I still put it on my bucket list, so <laughs> I suppose it's a bit important. Yeah, honorable mentions. Go for it. Pablo, you. We already um, talked about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think we can kind of skim over that. Um, what else? Yeah. Mass Effect. Oh, Mass Effect. yes, 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 yes. And I, and I, can can I just say the entire trilogy? Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pick a game out of it, uh, out of the trilogy. I think all of them are very good at. Oh, okay. Oh, Mass Effect Two. Okay, that's that's. Best of the trilogy. I can love that. Um, what else? What else? What else? Wolfenstein three D. Of course, we we mentioned that at the top of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, and I have to pick that and GTA. Ooh, which um, which GTA? Like the first one. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, I think actually the first one or the third one, GTA three. We touched upon Papa Nio at length and, yeah. and Wolfenstein at length, so we don't have to kind of go over those too much. But um, yeah, like uh, go into more detail about Mass Effect and GTA. Let's start with Mass Effect. Um, I think Mass Effect. I mean, I've never well until Mass Effect, I didn't play a lot of uh, RPGs. Amazingly, but uh, that kind of got me into RPGs, and I love sci-fi, so it was the perfect match. And also the way it handles homosexuality and didn't make a big deal out, out of it. It was just very natural in the game. I kind of like that. And it's it's just like... I used to say that the Mass Effect trilogy is like the Star Wars of games. Yeah, and it's, it's funny time when we're doing this. Uh, just yeah, as, exactly. Just as the Force Awakens trailer comes out. And for Battlefront as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I saw... Um, at the time of recording this, I saw a tweet a couple of hours ago from um, Cara Ellison about... <laughs> I was just going to mention that. Um, how that there's no such trilogy or no such series in games that could perhaps live up to Star Wars. Mass Effect is basically st- our Star Wars of games. Yeah, but I think the thing about Mass Effect is it, it will never be as big as Star Wars oh, from no, people no. who don't play games. Oh, and no, no, of course not. Star Wars is a big deal to well, you you don't have to watch Star Wars to know what it means to people or what is what it is about, and with Mass Effect, that will never happen. You have to play games to understand Mass Effect, or at least you have to listen a lot or read a lot uh, about the game or people who talk about the game to understand how much it means to people who who love Mass Effect. We touched upon Wolfenstein at the top of the show, but um, like. Go into detail about um, that, yeah. Just go into detail about Wolfenstein. How you feel about that? It's a special game to me because it's the first game I remember I played ever, and also special to me because my dad made me play it. Like I would sit on his lap and I would play it with him. And for my dad to do that when 
he he never understood game. He still doesn't. And like I've got two brothers who play a lot, and we used to sit in my room and play Red Alert, and our parents would be like, "This is just stupid." Um, so for me, uh, so for my dad to play Wolfenstein with me when I was like seven years old or something like that, that's pretty amazing. And all, and the game itself is pretty good. Maybe not like <laughs> the the kind of shooters we know now, but at that time it was amazing. Mm. Um, uh, GTA. Oh, GTA. Uh, well. Just that open world kind of feeling when, and I mentioned the first one as my honorable mention. The GTA one was like it was this weird thing to experience, especially as like a a child who fairly innocent child that you could uh, run over Hare Krishna monks and do all of this mental stuff and <laughs> car chases and kill the police and run over people and all of the missions you had to do and it was fun the game like it was really really fun they know how to and they still well Rockstar still does that with the newer GTAs but they know how to write a game to make it fun and still be serious about it and the th- first GTA I I can still remember all of the like the city you played in. I can remember how to ride around it and get to from A to B. I know how to get there without looking at a map, and that's just some some of the things that you never forget from games like games you really really love and you played a lot. You never forget things like that, which is a bit scary, but mm. it was just a, a lot of fun, and I think it's. It's one of the games that made me realize that games are amazing. Like you can have fun with this, and there's a lot of freedom in them. And they get we also t- touch a bit upon it earlier, but the the worlds that video games create. I think the world in GTA One. We haven't. There wasn't any game that had done that in the same way, at least. It was a completely new kind of game, and uh, it's 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 fascinating. Like I'm not allowed to speaking. Like I've not actually played any of the PS1 GTA games. I only came in around GTA 3, so I, I've yeah. So basically, starting out from GTA 3, like it's amazing to see how much the worlds in those games have evolved from GTA 1 through to GTA 5. It, like, and you can even say you can even give the same comparison from 3. Two five as well. Yeah, and and that's uh, obviously that's a natural thing because the technology is improving every year. But also just the direction they choose to go with the games. I mean, the when I played GTA three, it the whole three D thing, like you were down among people. You didn't just look at it from above. It was so surreal that you could walk around in this world and you could hijack cars and it was basically you walking around it was it's a, it was a completely new thing and they just keep getting better and better and better i mean gta 4 that was a bit 
I I didn't really I never finished it. Um, and GTA Five, which is kind of relevant right now, when it came out on PS3, I hated it. I really hated it. I, I thought, well, this is just the same GTA as we know. They they keep doing the same kind of stuff, just in a new city or just with different surroundings. And then I played it when it came out on PS4, and I just I think I got back to the whole experience about uh, well experiencing a GTA game for the first time, like just forgetting about all of the previous games and just enjoying walking around in the city and stealing cars and, well, not killing people, but going to a strip club and just just being free to do pretty much whatever you want and enjoy how technology, what technology can do today. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And now it's on PC and... And I'm still playing it. I, so I think that says a lot about the entire franchise. That it's GTA 1 came out in... 97, yeah. Yeah, so I was 10 when it came out. And I've been playing this franchise for almost 20 years. So I think that's that just says a lot about all of the games. That they, they can... Do, they can make bad games like GTA 4, but I keep coming back, and I I keep enjoying the same things I enjoyed with GTA 1, mm. just with better graphics and well new technology. Top three games, what would they be? Obviously Isaac at the top, but what would fill out the top three? Oh, Mass Effect. Which which one would you say, yeah. man? Yeah, <laughs> Mass Effect 2. And and then after that? Oh my god. That would probably be GTA 1. Can I just say one thing here? No, to go for people listening? If you haven't played Papuyu, now that I didn't get put it in my top 3, still just play it. It's dirt cheap on Steam and PlayStation Network and wherever you can get your hands on it. So that's just a. Yeah. Just had to put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's really good, and if yeah, yeah. So you can find me. Yeah. Well. Probably just find me on Twitter because everything else I do is in Danish, and I think people would have trouble understanding. But but Twitter at Distraet, which is Danish, but it's D I S T R A E T. Thanks for listening to my favourite game. Next week, Christian Donlin on Robotron 2084. Until next week, bye bye.